RadioInfluence.com. You've seen Chef Ryan Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. It is uh, Duffified Live Day. Yep, we are uh, we are going live strong today. We got some fun uh, guests. I got to get great guests lined up for you guys today. Um, <clears throat> I hope you guys enjoyed last week, uh, last week's episode with Lindsay Cady. Uh, we had a lot of fun chatting, just kind of talking about Mohegan Sun and some of the cool shit that she does. You know, like I always say, one of the things I like to do on this show is bring people that interest me uh, on like that interest me. It's just that simple. You know, I think that you guys might like some of the people that I talk to. So I try to get them on. So what I'm going to ask you guys this week is if you'd like you guys want to hear somebody, you guys want to have somebody or see somebody on this show, then all I ask you to do is to send me a message. You can do it through Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. You can email me directly as well at Chef Brian Duffy at gmail.com. You can go to my website, Duffified Live. You can connect to us through there if you have a guest. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Instagram and Twitter are Chef Bride Duff. Facebook is Chef Brian Duffy. Send us a message, man. Let us know what you think. The other thing I'm going to ask you guys to do is go over to iTunes and uh, review us. Tell us if we suck. I want to know, do I suck? If I suck at this, then I'll do something else in my life. I could be a tile layer. Maybe not two podcasts. Um, a lot of really cool stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks for everybody. Anybody who's interested, uh, I will have been in Jacksonville. Uh, so you're not going to see me there this week. Um, but I will have been in Jacksonville this past week. I'm pretty excited about that. Love going down with all those guys from GE and getting to play around. Sunday, I leave for California. I'll be out at the Camp Walnut out in the Redwoods getting to play with my buddy Chad Rosenthal. Immediately from there, I'll be in Lenexa, Kansas. So if you're in Kansas, meet me. Let's have a drink. Let me know what's going on. Okay. Week after that, uh, we are talking about being in Fort Myers, Florida, probably for the first couple of days of October, and then immediately going to St. Paul, Minnesota. After that, I'll be in Baton Rouge, Louisiana on October 10th. I am doing some contests to get some people out there to come out and see one of my live demos that I do for GE. Immediately after that, I'm heading down to Cincinnati. Okay. Cincinnati, Ohio, one of my favorite little cities. I'm going to be down there checking out the boys from 4EG, all their amazing bars, as well as uh, right after that, I fly back from Cincinnati. Boom. We go right into the Taste Philly, Taste Philadelphia, which happens out at the uh, um, the casino out there in Valley Forge. Uh, G Love and I are going to be out there. We're going to be playing around a little bit. We got the G Love Lounge. I'm going to be doing some duck so I'm super stoked. I'm going to be doing a little bit of a duck pastrami that we're going to sous vide and then sear off real well. We're going to do it with a little bit of G Love's hot sauce. And also G Love's got his own beer that came out that we're going to be playing with as well. So I'm happy about that. <clears throat> Immediately after the Taste Philly, we go right into the PA Food Service Expo, which is in Philadelphia as well. Fly right after there to Birmingham, Alabama. Going down to Alabama to have some fun. And then right after that is Halloween. We're going in November. I'm like a month and a half ahead already. We're going up for the uh, food in tech 
uh, conference that's up there. I'm going to be doing a little bit of demo and playing around with some food. So that's my schedule for the next couple of weeks. Um, and we got some really cool shit going on in between. But uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been uh, seeing this kind of interest. Uh, it, it started way back with some of the people that we've interviewed in the past, um, some of these survivalists and stuff like that. And I, I found this great uh, I found a couple of great articles um, about because uh, I really want to know, like, what's going on? You know, there's a lot of people out there that are doing this survivalist and prepper. They're called preppers. Um, I mean, there's even here. Here's an article that came out in January about Silicon Valley billionaires are preparing for the apocalypse with motorcycles, guns and private hideaways. Okay. So they're saying that the leaders of the industry from Silicon Valley to Wall Street are joining the survivalism movement. The New Yorker's Evan Osnos writes that that list includes Steve Huffman, who's a co, uh, the co-founder and CEO of Reddit. Marvin Lau, the former uh, Yahoo exec and a partner at 500 Startups. And Robert A. Johnson, who's a managing director of hedge fund uh, Soros Fund Management. So <clears throat> Reed Hoffman, the co-founder of LinkedIn, all of these people are preparing for like an, an apocalypse. Like what the fuck is going on? Uh, I'm all for being prepared, man. Trust me, I'm all for being prepared. But I want to kind of find out <clears throat> what – I'm sorry, I have a cough again this week. It's from all this damn talking, man. I want to find out what it is. Like why do people – why are we prepping for an apocalypse? I mean it, it, and, and what is the idea of the apocalypse? Is the apocalypse going to be – oh my god, wait a second. What is this? Vivos X point is going to be the largest private bunker community on earth. And it's going to be completed in 2017. Go to a website called terravivos.com, which is where I'm going to go real quick. I want to see this real fast. You know what I need? I need like somebody to be in the studio with me to do this. So there's a whole bunch of this shit. Quantum shelters, Vivos Point, Vivos Indiana, Vivos Europa. So Vivos uh, the, the ver is a verb and the definitions are to be alive or live, to reside or to survive. Join us at the largest survival community on earth. It's in South Dakota. 575 private bunkers with space for 10,000 people in South Dakota. Man, I see nothing but problems going on with that one. Shelters are being built worldwide. Our network is expanding from Germany to South Korea. Vivos Europa One is the ultimate life assurance solution for a dangerous world. A massive fortified shelter built to withstand virtually everything. Accommodations for up to a thousand people in this twenty-three thousand—I don't know what that is. That's like some weird shit. Bespoke underground fortress. The world is an increasingly dangerous place with threats all around us. Well, fuck! I want to buy one now. You can apply for a membership. I'm going to apply for a membership while I'm online to be considered for co-ownership of a Vivos community shelter. You must first become a Vivos member. Membership is totally free. The membership application provides us basic information on who you are, your contact information, the size of your group, your combined skill set or expertise and insight regarding why you are seeking a shelter solution. Wow. I think I have a good skill set. I can cook. 
and I can talk and cough at the same time. I do that pretty well. What's my age? My age is holy shit. I'm in a whole nother bracket now. 40 to 49. What the fuck? I just got old, man. Okay. We just signed up. What are my skills or expertise? A restaurant. I'm an executive. That's it. That's all I have. I literally have nothing else in this list that I can do. I feel slightly, I feel I'm an energy. I'm, I'm an energetic guy. I think I'm an energetic guy. I have nothing to offer this community. Nothing. I don't think they're going to let me in. Okay. But you know what? I'm going to put me, I'm going to put four down. I'm making a reservation for four for the end of the world. If anybody wants to go, I'm making, I'm making a reservation for four. My two children are coming with me. If I get married or any of that stuff, boom, that person's going to have to come with me. Maybe I'll make it for six just in case I'm making it for six. Okay. Sorry. I have to make my reservation for the end of the world. My reservation for the end of the world. Okay. We're done. I made my reservation. So, and because of this stuff and everything that's been going on, you guys know that I've talked to a couple of different people, survivalists. I've talked to a lot of military as well. I've had a lot of different conversations with people. And one of the things that I wanted to uh, do is kind of touch on a bunch of different levels of the survival experience um, with different things that go on from people from Naked and Afraid, from a bunch of these different survivor shows. You know, we've had a couple of different people on the show kind of talking about this stuff. So what we have right now is we are going to have a conversation today with Amber Hargrove. Um, Amber spent some time in Nami- uh, Namib- wow, Namibia. Uh, she is 32 years old at the time of the show. She was a U.S. Army instructor. She lives in Colorado. Um, she is uh, good at water sourcing, spearfishing, crossbow, shotgun hunting, trapping, fire and shelter building, and alligator wrestler. Amber was born and raised in Oroville, California, since she was three years old. She spent every summer camping and hunting with her family. Um, Amber served 11 years active duty U.S. Army with two deployments to Iraq. She learned more survival skills on the soldier front range than she could imagine. Currently, she's an instructor for the U.S. Army, enjoys training the soldiers and sharing past experiences. Amber has a tremendous amount of motivation with her children and her husband. Loves embarking on new adventures, skydiving to crossbow fishing. Uh, Amber's been vigorously preparing for another chance to prove to prove she can pr- uh, provide the 21 days. And she did uh, uh, Naked and Afraid XL. So that's what I think is pretty cool. Um, so uh, we're going to get Amber on the line here in just a minute. Uh, we're going to start chatting with her. I'm pretty stoked. I'm actually going to go on to Twitter at the same time because I want to see if we can get uh, some of you guys to drop some questions out here for Miss Amber. Uh, unfortunately, to do that, uh, you guys, you have to remember your Twitter password. And I, unfortunately, am unable to do that. So I'm going to do it through my phone. Um, okay, so here we go. I uh, Everybody, do me a huge favor. Put your hands together. You guys know the drill. Turn the radios up. Put headphones in. Get the kids out of the room because I tend to curse when I talk to people. And right now, we're going to have a big old conversation. A little Duffified Live, Amber Hargrove. Well, good morning, Amber. Good morning. How are you? I'm absolutely wonderful. I am the super chipper guy that's on the phone, the other end of the line. So I like it. I like it. (laughs) Good. Hey, Amber, why don't you do me a favor? Tell us who you are and how we can get in contact with you. 
I am Amber Hargrove. I'm from Discovery Channel's Naked and Afraid. I've been on there for three seasons, and you can reach out to me on Instagram at Amber underscore Combat Survivalist at any time. Very nice. Now, are you on Twitter? I am, actually. Um, you can find me on there, Amber underscore Hargrove. Um, pretty easy to find. Pretty easy on Twitter. Got it. So we've got there. I'm a massive Twitter guy. I love oh, I can tell. <laughs> your country girl survivor? Country, country girl, girl survivor. It should be yeah. survivalist, I do believe. I think it's S-U-R-1. I never use my Twitter. I feel <gasps> Oh, my God, Amber. Bad. I feel like whenever I go on Facebook, I automatically set it for anything I post on Facebook goes automatically to Twitter. So I never right. have to actually go there, but I get updates. You know that pisses people off. I know. I feel like I cheat on Twitter. I know. It's horrible. You do. You do. Twitter people hate Facebook people. I know. I heard you know. about that. I got to get like, on there. After this, like, I'm going to get on there. Yeah, Twitter people hate Facebook people because Twitter because Facebook people bitch and complain about everything. Twitter, we talk shit, and then Instagram, we're like, "Hey, look at my dog." So, <laughs> yeah. you nailed it on that one. That is so true. I know. I know. I, I said dog because I posted a picture of my. I have a pit bull puppy, so I posted a, a pretty awesome picture of her yesterday. So, yeah. Oh my god, how cute is that? That is awesome. All right, so <laughs> here is my question for you. You're married. You have two kids, correct? Yes. Okay. So how the fuck are you getting away and spending all this time in the jungle? Okay. A lot of bribing. I'm going to throw that out there right now. I mean, the first time I ever went on Naked and Afraid, I had to buy a Harley for my husband. A little bribery. It worked a lot. No shit. Really? (laughs) I did. Yeah. I was trying to butter him up. He said I could apply for the show because he knew how I love being outdoors and just being a survivalist and then when I told him that they interviewed me he goes you're not going (laughs) you said I could apply he goes I was telling you what you want to hear so gentlemen don't tell your wives what they want to hear because things do happen (laughs) yeah exactly so what kind of what kind of he's a good supporter it was a 2003 uh, 100th anniversary Diana Lowrider well geez Wow, you really had plans. Oh yeah, I go all out. You knew you were like, "This is not my last run." I'm definitely going forward from here. <laughs> that was pretty good. And then you have he's you have spoiled. He's spoiled. Yes, definitely spoiled. Nice. And then you have children as well. Yes, I do. I have two kids. I have a 12 year old little girl and a six year old little boy. And I gotta admit, the girl she's not, she's very girly. I'm getting her there to where she needs to be but my son is all boy so he's like my little mini me he does everything with me fishing camping hunting my daughter's just a little bit more work that's all (laughs) right yeah i have uh i have two girls so 17 and 14 um oh my gosh the teen years you know what though but like i have two super cool kids though like, because they were really, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a fun dad. Like I'm kind of adventure dad. I try to get, I try to get my girls as involved in everything that I can. And, uh, you know, like, I mean, we drove around last night after going out for pho, having dinner and then drove around and listened to the Mama Mia soundtrack and sang in the Jeep for an hour and a half. So you are cool as heck, man. I would totally roll with you, by the way. Uh, we have a great time. Yes, and I do watch Mama Mia. If you've got a problem with it, people out there, go to hell and tell my daughters. But I don't have a problem with it. We love it. I took my girls to go see the, the second one because it's like a family little tradition we got. It's fun. 
That's what I'm talking about. That is amazing. That is so cool. So I know what it's like for me to uh, leave my kids for a while, you know, because I travel, I fly between 80 and 100,000 miles a year. So I'm on the road all the time with the stuff that I do. But I mean, how do you leave your kids for that long of a stretch? I mean, what is the meant? And I know it's kind of a weird question, but knowing that you're a mom and you have a support system behind you, like at what point do you sit in the middle of a jungle wearing no clothes with shit on your feet and bugs all over you and go, fuck, I wish I was home, man. Besides every day. Yeah, there's a, it, it does happen. Okay. So my first challenge, I, at one point, I think it was like day 10. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to call and check on the kids. Like uh, I literally went to reach over at the dirt where the stick pile was. I'm like, oh, I should call my, call my kids. Like I have a phone. It was like attached to my hip or something. There's yeah. no damn cell phone out there. You get no communication. Discovery sticks to their rules. They don't let you communicate with anybody. And the rule is only in an emergency situation, if something happens to your family, they will notify you through a producer, and that's it. And the whole entire time, I'm worried. But I think the hardest thing about being away from my kids was the 40-day challenge when I was in Ecuador because, I mean, I was on day 15, and then it started to hit me, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I miss yeah. my son so much. Like, I hope he's doing great. You start thinking about it. So I came up with the idea. They didn't really show it on the filming, but um, we made a tree and it was called our family tree. And everybody who joined our tribe as they came in throughout the 40 days, we put everybody who we loved on the tree and we talk about them. Oh, so every night cool. you talked about your family member. So that way you can just express how you feel. It was really hard for Shannon, um, my partner out there, one of the partners, because, you know, she loves her daughter so much and she get really emotional. But it felt right. really good to let it out because if you didn't talk about it, it was something that would build up inside and you're on day 30 emotionally breaking down. Well, so it was just kind of a military tactic I've used. So. Oh, that's cool. Huh. That's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, cause we've seen like, you know, we've seen, I mean, when I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the show. I watch very, very little TV, but it is one of those shows that I kind of pop on. And I love when there's the, like marathons and stuff. Cause I totally get to catch up on it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV when I fly. I don't watch a lot of stuff when I'm in hotels and when I'm working and stuff, but if I'm home and I have the chance, I will literally sit down and watch, you know, eight or 10 episodes and just bang through. It's a lot of fun. Well, I mean, you know, it really is. I think besides the entertainment value of it, because it's something like I remember when when the first season came out and people are like, are you fuck like we're, they're, they're going to naked in the jungle, man? Like, how are they going to do this? Yes. A minute. So the, you, what season were what seasons were you on or what? Okay. How far into it? Um, I was on season four, episode one, the season premiere, and then I was on, that was in the Everglades, and then I went to Africa season five, episode four, and then I went to the XL3, the 40 day. That was my whole season, but I was a huge fan, like, oh my gosh. Season one came out, I was like hooked on it, like every night I'd watch it, I'm like, I need to be a part of this. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I was diehard fan i really was i i loved ej and laura i mean ej's uh, ej's been on the show yes ej's he's, awesome uh, he was actually on season one. Oh my god yeah. what a great person good friend a and a great guy so, yeah yeah he really is and when you watch him in action you're like you need to be a part of that but you see what they go through and you're like, is the question is, is it really real? Right. I mean, do you, they go to tents at nighttime? I mean, I've been asked that so many times and no, are you kidding me? What I would give to sleep in a tent at nighttime. No, <laughs> you have to experience every single worst case 
like possible situation out there. And it's, it's entertaining, you know. Ecuador, our bed broke with the girls, with me, Lacey, right. and Giovanna on night one. We had no fire. It was pitch black. We had just our camera and night vision, and that was it. And when the bed breaks and you touch the ground and you can't see anything and everything's moving, what do you do? <laughs> so, yeah, no, seriously. What do you do? So, I laugh. <laughs> it's just yeah. this laughing. I'm like, I may, I let Lacey build the bed, and I told her, I said, well, you know, we have a lot of weight together. Uh, for three women, I said, you should kind of make it a little more sturdier. These are kind of like sticks you're using. We should get some logs. And right. she's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, okay. Oh, we shit. get on the bed like 20 minutes later, the whole thing busts. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're touching the ground. You could hear stuff move on the leaves. You can't oh. you feel everything. There was everywhere. It was raining on us. I mean, it was probably the worst experience I've ever had, even past my Iraq deployment overseas. So that was the first night, day one right there, worst experience of my life. Well, so here, this was, that's kind of funny. You started that off with that. How, cause here's my question. You, you spent 10 years in the military, correct? Yeah, I did okay. almost 12. Yeah. Almost 12 years. Yeah. Okay. So one, thank you for that. I'm a huge supporter of the military. I, I actually cook for the troops all over the world. I travel with a group. We work for Navy entertainment. Um, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. And uh, I was just in Djibouti a couple months ago. That wonderful place. Oh my gosh. How cool are you? Yeah, I was in Djibouti. Oh, I was in right. Bahrain. I did Isa. I've been all over the world with these guys. We've had a lot of fun. We've cooked for, Jesus, probably 100,000 military so far. That is impressive right there. That yeah, is I mean, amazing. I'm sending you love right now well, <laughs> well, thank you. hey look you, i call it i'll be honest i call it the thank you thank you fuck you because it's literally like they're thanking <laughs> me, and then i'm thanking them back and they start to thank me i'm like no 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 no, fuck you like seriously i'm cooking for you right now you're protecting all the shit that goes on around me i'm pretty cool i'm okay with this so yep. um i've oh, met some amazing yeah amazing amazing people and just had some really awesome experiences and and i always i don't know why i never did it and I, I literally question myself. I, I'm not going to say daily, but I'd say probably on a weekly level, like why I never joined the military. It just doesn't make any sense to me because of the, the, the respect that I have for it and for our country and everything that goes along with that. But I, 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 I always question, like, why is it that I didn't do that? It's weird. Oh, so I, I understand a lot of my friends do that, too. Yeah. But so here's my question then for you. This is another thing. I'm kind of doing this little research project as well. Why did you join the military? And, I actually grew up and in a with really that, small town. And with that, why did you join the military and why did you join the army specifically? So go ahead, small town. Okay. Small town. And I originally wanted to go to the Air Force. I was very excited. The recruiter didn't show up that day. The Army recruiter did. And he, he had this rock climbing competition going on. I'm a very competitive person. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm like 17 years old, maybe 105 pounds soaking wet. I mean, I killed the rock climbing competition, obviously. Right. And then he's like, you should join the Army. You know, he was really motivated. And I was like, you know what? Why not? It, okay, honestly, if I did not join the military in my small town, I probably would end up barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. I hate saying that, but it's no, true. I get it. A lot of people don't leave the town, and I'm I'm a very eccentric person, outgoing. So I needed some type of adventure in my life, and I was I wasn't very wealthy growing up. My parents were very poor, so it would be very hard for them to send me through college. So I figure, why not do this to open up my horizon a little bit? So 
it worked out great. I love the military. I miss it so much being around my brothers and sisters that it's hard for me still, but I'm so proud that I did it. Great experience. Great experience. And where were you stationed? You did two tours in Iraq, correct? Yeah. And where were you stationed? at Fort Fort Carson, Colorado. I'm serious. The whole almost 12 years, I had orders to Hawaii and my commander kept canceling them. They're like, we're going to deploy again. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Damn it. Fort Carson, Colorado was my home for 15 years. So it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. But uh, well worth it. Now, is, is your husband military? Actually, he's not. Everybody oh, okay. asks me that. They're like, he's got to be military. I actually met him in Colorado Springs. I had this weird thing, but I would not date military people. Okay. It's almost like taking a shit in your own backyard is the way I felt. Yeah. So, it's a weird world. Rather, no, it really is. And being a female and I was a staff sergeant, I felt as though for me, my comfort zone was dating a civilian and right. it worked out great. It really did. It really I- did. I've dated, I've dated a couple of, of military and I, 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 I don't know what it was. I, I loved it. I mean, I know it sounds like that's like saying, Oh, I dated somebody who can cook really well. I don't know. It was just, there was, there's something about the discipline and the organization mm-hmm. that you get in the military that I feel that you don't get anywhere else. And oh, it's for sure. comforting in a way. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. And it's like, I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum looking out, you know, and I see my military friends and who they would date within the military. I'm like, Oh no. Oh no. So I'm like, civilian winner. I've seen some some awesome relationships within the military though. Some very powerful. I mean, the, um, the commanding officer of Djibouti is just about to be promoted. She's a, f- a female and she's about to be promoted to a general and her husband's oh. in the military as well. She's deployed right now. Oh, yeah. He's not, it's pretty wild. I mean, like, and she's a very dynamic woman. Like you can feel the leadership spewing out of her when you shake her hand. It's wild. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And most of the time, when people deploy so much, they usually do find their companion or other half in the military because that's all they have. And it's true. Yeah. I mean, my other commander deployed eight times, eight wow. times to Iraq in, four, in 14 years. So, you know, I, it was one of those things where he didn't meet his wife overseas and he's very lucky to have that, to find that companion. I was just kind of weird. I was afraid to take that risk. But sure. other people, you know, there's some good, there's good people out there. It's just a, for me, it was a risk. I was like, eh, I don't know. There's a a lot of, I mean, I, last week I had a woman um, named Zaya Mara Hall on her husband uh, was one of the most decorated African-Americans to die in combat. And she, she was on last week. Yeah, she was, she was very, she's a chef, a celebrity chef. She's done a bunch of cool stuff. She was really cool to talk to as well. Um, But uh, I, 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 there's just something that I, I don't know that wild dynamic, but I, I feel the, we, there's not a lot of a lot given to the spouses, but yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, being involved in MWR, which everybody doesn't know. First off, the military is not, I'm surprised they even actually call it the military. There should be some form of 
code word for it because you guys have initials for everything. But MWR is Moran oh Water <laughs> and Recreation. I don't understand what the hell you guys are talking about 90% of the time. I just nod and, and cook. But um, MWR <laughs> is out there, and it's really a cool thing for family members that are either on base or for, that have been deployed with their with their spouses or whatever it is. But the people that are home, like, it's I can't – like, that's tough as shit. Like, that's a tough no, – it really is. Oh, for sure. And just not knowing what's going on the whole entire time, too. And only being updated when they can. It's so hard. You're uh-huh. limited on so many internet or phone calls. I mean, my grandma at one point saw a helicopter go down because she knew I was flying out that day. And she thought I, she thought I crashed in a plane. Uh-huh. And, of course, it wasn't. But I couldn't talk to her for two days, and she was in panic mode. Yeah. And I, I texted her the one time I could communicate with her. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're flying out. I'm headed from Taji to Dequay, you know, in a couple of days. And then, oh, man. She's like, don't ever tell me this again. I can't handle this. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I can only imagine a spouse at home just waiting. So a lot of prayers go to them and a lot of my positive energy to them, but it's going to be so hard. Yeah. Wow. So I I was, my actual initial question going into this that I was going to ask you is, what is it? What is it like for you? I mean, you're 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 a natural born leader. It's something that you do. You've been in the military, so now it's not only not only is it natural to you, instinctive as well, but it's also a trait. It's a learned trait that you've picked up through being in the military, being a staff sergeant, the whole nine yards. Which, by the way, I had another staff sergeant on. Have you ever heard of a gentleman named Adam Keys? Hmm, I'm gonna have to look him up on Facebook. So he is a triple amputee. Uh, had a big uh, to do uh-huh. in. He, he was an IED exploded underneath his Humvee in, in Afghanistan. He leaves tomorrow morning to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. <gasps> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. He's pretty that awesome. Is amazing. He was six foot oh three my gosh. and he's now four foot 11. He's climbing Mount Kilimanjaro on, on uh, mini uh, prosthetics. I'm okay. telling you what an honor to be a part of that adventure with Seriously. him. Too. That is Seriously. Phenomenal. Unbelievable. Okay. That is so- <laughs> <laughs> you can tell my love for the military. I just, I go nuts about it. So, so for you, you're out there. What is it like being a natural born leader, being somebody who's been trained in this as well? And now you are amongst a group of people in the, in the Excel stuff, in the 40 day stuff, as well as being next to somebody. And how do you not just be like, shut the fuck up and listen to what I'm telling you. Trust me. I know. <laughs> okay. So you probably saw the scene where I tear into Russell just a little bit because touch. he was like my worst nightmare for me. And I got to be honest, I love him like a brother. Now we shared a great experience, but he was so mean and so negative. Like I had a hard time dealing with him because when the group came together, you know, we lost Matt because Matt obviously had that fleshing bacteria on his toes. We had to lose him. He was like my best friend. I loved him so much like a brother. It really hurt me so bad because he was like our leader. And then I thought, well, we have nobody else here. Chance doesn't talk. Um, Russell's kind of a doucher. Um, Giovanna is very quiet and amazing survivalist. So is Shannon. <laughs> Fernando is like Dr. Phil for us. He was. He was the peacekeeper. So it was kind of hard to analyze everybody. And so I just sat down with them and I said, you know what? I know you guys don't want a leader, but here's what I think we should do. I said, instead of all of us doing the same thing we do every day, let's break up the chores and dynamics so we can actually survive. Instead of four people getting fish all day, let's break up the chores because that way we can all work together and take turns. First thing that came out of their mouth was we don't need a leader. And I'm like, not trying to be a leader. I'm just trying to analyze the situation so we can actually survive together as a team. 
because everybody was doing the same thing. Nobody wanted to get firewood. Everybody wanted to go fishing, just kind of hang out by the water. Nobody wanted to work on the shelter. Like the basic survival needs had to be met. And, you know, there's five of us, actually six at the time. So why not break it down? They didn't want to hear anything. It was like definitely a rough situation. It was like kind of turned into guys versus girls for a little bit. Kind of turned into that. I don't know if you noticed it on TV. I mean, we Mm -hmm. totally felt it. it. Totally felt it. But then, I mean, at the point there, there comes that point where you guys are like, we've been at this long enough. We need to come together. We've got to make this work. And there's been a lot. I mean, it's one of the things about the show that is really that enjoyable because obviously, look, it's a reality based TV show. We're doing something in a reality situation, not not in the in the in the look. It's not reality for most of us. It's a reality for you. We're watching it unfold in front of us. But there's still a dynamic of people that have to get along. Or in reality, somebody's going to die. Oh, for sure. Yes, definitely. And you, you see it. You can, you can feel the intensity build up. I know when Russell left to go on the hunt that he wanted to go on, I was very clear with him. I said, if you go on this hunt, you know, there's a storm coming in, just be careful. And he's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, well, he's not a hunter. So it makes me nervous because he was taking poor chance with him. Chance right. doesn't hunt. And I'm thinking what one of them gets hurt. Fernando's not a hunter. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I was more concerned about them injuring themselves and not making it back to us because they were three miles away from us down South at the old, you know, Matt shelter. And I was so nervous. And then sure. Heck when Russell didn't come back and he tapped out, I'm like, what? Wow. Like unbelievable. I was like, is this a joke? There's no way Russell Sage would tap out. There's just (laughs) no way. And And I was like, whoa. And then after that, it just turned to, we were able to break down chores daily. We were able to work together as a team, but it's really sad. You have to get to that point to lose one person to make the group work as a team. It really was. It was sad, but it, everything happens for a reason. Look, it's, it's a shame. It's not that way in offices and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I do, I know I listen to people all the time and I had a, I had a really good conversation with a friend of mine the other night. And, and this is a buddy of mine who's not on Facebook. He's not on Twitter. He doesn't get involved in any of the social media stuff. So honestly, it was a brilliant conversation, you know, because we really talked about stuff that, uh, that, that, you know, we talked beyond the superficial bullshit. You know, and we had oh, yeah. and we, we had some great conversations and we were talking about the the way that I mean, I'm, I'm going to go straight forward and say it the way that our country is at this point with it, with a, a, a very apparent division, but also at the same time that we are we have people working in offices and we have people working in jobs that are never really going to go anywhere. And because uh, me as a leader, I don't want to hire somebody, you know, they always say hire above you. Hire somebody that's better than you. Hire somebody that you can lead that is going to that's going to make your job easier. But I think the average person is afraid of doing that because they feel that they're going to be replaced, you know, and that's the world that we live in. So we're hiring a mediocre work base of people that are just clocking in, looking at the fluorescent light, clocking out and then just going home and sitting in front of a TV. And in your situation, you guys got rid of that that cancer that cancer checked mm-hmm. out and then you guys start to flourish as a team, which is a really cool thing yep. to learn from one of these shows. Oh yeah, it really was. I mean, I think I learned more about myself. I mean, cause me, I'm very direct. So in this challenge for the 40 day, I really had to hold back. Like there's a lot of times where people get really antsy or rude to you and you just, you want to say, shut up, stop talking. Like we don't want to hear it. 
but I didn't want to come across that way. And I just wanted us to really work as a team. And I wanted us to thrive so bad that I really tried opening up my communication skills with them to figure out how I could make this work. And it worked out great. I mean, I have great brothers and sisters now that I've made from the, from the show. I, I see them often. So it's kind of fun. But right now I'm just like, wow, I learned so much more about me. I would tell everybody to go experience Naked and Afraid once, but that'd be kind of weird. Naked people everywhere. Every, yeah, seriously. Could you imagine? <laughs> like you're standing in the Everglades and you're like, hey, hey, what's up, dude? It's good to see you, man. You know, and just some random <laughs> person walking by. Walk. Like, you know, it's like going on a hike and you're just walking your dog and you've got a backpack, except here's a guy and, you know, there's just, just doesn't have any clothes on. Hey, everybody, guess what? Uh, I learned over the last couple of years of traveling that I, I go into these cities, but I don't actually get to kind of experience a lot of stuff. And one of the things that I found out about is this super awesome app called Vivid Seats. Go and download it right now from iTunes or wherever you guys do. Like right now, I'm in the app and I'm heading to Kansas City in a week and a half and I have a little bit of time. So I'm actually checking this out. And look at this. I can go see Billy Joel, the Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Royals, Kansas City State Wild Wildcats football, Foo Fighters, Ed Sheeran, Rod Stewart, like these are all tickets that are available for the time that I am out in Kansas City, and I'm finding it on Vivid Seats. Okay, Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace that's dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experience that's going to last a lifetime. Okay, with Vivid Seats, you guys can watch your favorite teams and artists perform in person. For me, because I travel, I love checking out Vivid Seats to see the city that I'm going into because I can get great seats to great events. Look, it's real simple. All you got to do is go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, use the promo code INFLUENCE. You're going to get 10% off your first purchase with Vivid Seats. Best part about this Every purchase is backed by a 100% guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats is going to do it for you. All you got to do is download the app, enter the promo code of influence for 10% off the first purchase of Vivid Seats. Go to a city, do something fun. Vivid Seats, get the app. I find the difference between everybody that I ask that has been on the show or done something similar to this. So what is that initial, that, that that uh, drug that that boost of energy that boost of 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 endorphin that is coming through your body as you are driving in the back of a truck or on a boat or being dropped off somewhere and then you're literally standing there just for, your, for especially for your first time just taking your clothes off in front of somebody and then having to to part ways with them Oh my gosh. It's definitely a tough one because the first time I ever had to, I wore a bikini. Okay. And cowgirl boots to the Everglades, just in case I, I'm not I a remember. naked person. I'm really right. not. <laughs> and it took me three times the film to get out of my clothes. Cause I couldn't do it. And the producer's oh. like, Amber, you gotta get out of your cowgirl boots. You gotta <laughs> the show's get called naked clothes. and afraid lady. We got the afraid part now. Now let's lose some clothes. <laughs> It was so bad. I was bright red. I was nervous. And then, oh my gosh, it was a nightmare. And then as soon as I got naked, like the mosquitoes, they just started chewing the sides of my butt cheeks. And I had to stand by a tree and wait for Ryan because they got lost coming to the Everglades to start filming. So my producer's like on a walkie talkie and I'm like sitting there, I'm getting railed by mosquitoes, dude. So when you see my introduction, my butt cheek is just destroyed the whole back of my legs, my whole back. I had like a hundred bites. And it was, I was already like getting antsy to meet my partner. I was nervous. And then 
as soon as I walked out of that bush to meet my partner, my stomach just dropped. I was like, oh my gosh, I was so nervous. But the feeling, you get this adrenaline pumping, like you're going in survival mode now. It's amazing. Right. It's worth every second. But man, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was chewed up from the floor up by mosquitoes. God, they loved me. <laughs> so, I mean, so that's, what is that's the, my memory? I remember mosquitoes. <laughs> how, how long of a time frame? So you get, you finally get your clothes off after having three tries to do it. And are we talking about a 10 minute wait? Or are we talking about a two? Cause what most people don't understand is the, is the production world of, Hey, I'm yeah, sorry. We so, missed that. Can you say yeah. it again? Hold on. I know that you have an alligator chewing on your foot, but we need you to look at camera. Like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty involved. So when we go out there to start filming, they record us coming in with our vehicle and they do it about two or three times to get the right angle. And then by the way, we don't know who our partner is. We haven't even got that far yet. We're just so antsy building up. And then finally they, they stop the vehicle for the last time. And they say, all right, now you're going to, we're going to start filming. You're going to take your clothes off. And that's when I caused a little bit of time schedule because I just couldn't do it. But normally it takes about five to 10 minutes. And then when you go to meet your partner, out of my three tries, uh, I'd say it takes about five to 10 minutes, but the Everglades, we couldn't find Ryan and his production team. They were lost. So I was out there for an hour and 15 minutes waiting oh on, the side of a swamp, on the side of a tree, butt naked with the female <laughs> producer. I'll never forget this, Mathilde. And she just looked at me and she goes, this doesn't normally happen this way. So what's going to happen is you're just going to have to wait it out a little bit longer. And I'm just getting chewed up. They're in my ear. They're in my eyes. My lips swelled. I was like, oh, God. It was bad, but uh, it, it's definitely worth it. Worth it. Right. So now then you walk up and you've got a guy and he's walking towards you and he's buck naked. I mean, like uh, that uncomfort or are you just at this point like, fuck it, I got this. There's nothing else I can do. I've got to spend 21 days with this dude. Uh, my first time I was incredibly nervous. Like I was kind of covering my chest a little, like I was like really antsy to get our tool and get to going, but it doesn't work that way. So when you go to meet your partner, if the camera crew does not get the right angle with the producer watching you, you will retake that. Oh, so you want to talk to your God. partner so bad. So we walk halfway. I'm like, hi. I, oh, you're naked. And then all of a sudden they go, stop, back it up. Do oh, shit. want to meet your partner. You want to meet them so bad and talk to them and find out who they are. And it's just, it would just kill me every time. I did it four times meeting Ryan. And he was so nervous. He was stuttering. It was really cute. It was really cute. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's wild. I mean, and you, I mean, you're, you're a married woman, you've got kids. I mean, and there's, uh, you know, I mean, there's, 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 has anybody ever hooked up on the show? I'm not going to ask you, you're a married woman. We already know that answer, but has, <laughs> have you ever heard of anybody hooking up on the show? Yes, has I have happened? actually. Cause there is a dynamic. To... What's that? Yes. And so I talked to my producer one night in Africa and we were just, uh, we were about to start filming and I asked her, I said, has anybody ever hooked up out here? And she goes, I have known of three accounts, but wow. the first season originally for naked and afraid, they would actually leave condoms for people, yeah. whether or not they used them or not. She said that she goes, we just weren't sure where the show was going to go. So we originally had condoms out there and I'm like, no way. I had no idea about that, but I have talked to one female that has confirmed that she did hook up with her partner. And I'm like, wow. Oh my God. I don't know. There's a, there's yeah. a, you know, wow, you smell disgusting, but I think I, I might want to. I'm back. telling you, for me personally, there is no sexual connection. Like, I oh. just don't, not one of my body is like, oh my God, I need to have sex. My body is like complete survival mode. And sure. I'm the big spoon with Ryan. 
So, I mean, like, and I even have <laughs> pom-poms in between us, like literally straight pom-poms in between our whole entire body. So we didn't have any direct touch, but you freeze at nighttime and you're like, you need the body heat. Yeah. But there's That's also, there's, there's, is, a caloric, there's a caloric uh, depletion that happens. Yes. I mean, you know, to, to have sex is, is there's a lot of, there's a lot of, 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 of heart rates. There's a lot of movement. There's, you know I mean? And you guys are trying to save. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I could, I'll tell you that. You think about conserving, conserving your energy. I highly doubt, like in my head, I'm thinking there's no way I would have sex out here, but that was always the number one question from fans. It's like, Hey, do people have sex out there? And I'm like, actually I didn't, but I can tell, I confirmed with a producer and another female that, they have hooked up out there, which is super crazy and intense. I mean, if that's what they want to do and they're single, good for them. But yeah, I'm like, uh-huh. how, wouldn't you want to save your energy? I mean, if uh, I was out there with my spouse, I would be like, dude, we need to save our energy. Like that's the way yes, I'd be going with exactly. it. Exactly. If you're even, yeah, really exactly. And your husband's <laughs> with you and you're like, nah, I'm sorry, buddy. I got a headache and it's called survival. <laughs> um, Big elephant in the room there. Right so, there. <laughs> yeah. So now why? another episode. Um, I just said, why not? When I went to Africa the second time, I wanted to have that redemption. And then for the third time, when they called me about Ecuador, I was actually filming. I was headed to Mexico for a vacation for 10 days. And right before I got on the plane and they go, Hey, can you leave for Ecuador in two weeks? And I'm oh, like, what? Okay. Like a 40 day. I said, what an honor. Let's do it. And so I literally went to Mexico, ate everything in sight, gained about 10 pounds. Oh my God, the food was amazing. <laughs> and then I literally left for Ecuador and my spouse was so mad. He's like, I thought you were done with this. I was like, you know what? Just let me do the 40 day. I won't do anymore. Right. And then here I am talking to you right now. And I might be going on another adventure shortly after this. So that's wild. Well, that and all you got to do is be like, yo buddy, it's called Harley, man. We did this. We, we, we did this. We need this. You shouldn't have told me I could apply for it. Exactly. I have the detailer coming. He's coming to detail your bike the day I leave. We're good, right? So. <laughs> um, that is hilarious. Yes. So now, I mean, so now what is it like? I mean, you've, you've, you know, I mean, you've gone through it. You've been through three of them, including the, the 40 day. So what is your, I mean, what's your plan? I mean, now you do appearances and I see a lot of the stuff that you post involves some, I don't know if it's a sponsorship for you or if they're just sending you free product. I mean, what, what is involved in what you've got going on now since being on the show? The biggest thing for me is I have a lot of uh, knife endorsements that come through a lot of different survival companies reach out to me and they're like, Hey, we've got these survival products. We'd like you to test them out and they'll either pay me or just send me some product to go and try them out for them. I'll do some short videos, but some of the biggest things I love doing is I'm going to blade show West. And if you haven't heard of it, it's phenomenal. It's in Portland, Oregon. It's where some of the world's greatest knife makers are going to be there. And we're talking like fortune fire winners from the history channel. They'll be there. I have a lot of friends that do that show and their work is phenomenal and they make these survival blades that you're going to want to get your hands on. So when I got asked to be the VIP to go there, October 2nd, 3rd and 4th, I was like, what an honor. I would love to be there. So I get to look at their products and check out their knives and they pay for me to go out. But after you go on these survival shows, it's not all like, oh, you get paid for every episode when it's on. It it doesn't work that way. You don't get royalties from Discovery Channel. You really don't. And you don't get royalties from reality at all. So whoever no, thinks like you do. none. Yeah. 
So it's it's definitely a tough thing. I mean, a lot of these other production companies don't want to take anybody from Naked and Afraid, like Survivor, or Alone, because they're very clear that they're just like they don't want to mix threads. They just don't. You can apply for the show Alone, which I would love to do. My friend Luke, um, he was on The Wheel. Luke's he won awesome. that. Luke's daughter. He was really Luke was cool on the that. show yeah, as well. Guy. Great dude. Yeah, he's phenomenal to hang out with. I met him at Blade Show. Um, on the East Coast in uh, June, it happens every year in Georgia. It's phenomenal. And he told me about his show, and he's like, I can't apply for Naked and Afraid. They won't let me on. I'm like, that's weird because they won't let me apply for a loan because right. I'm Naked and Afraid. You're very branded. Yeah. So you just got to stick with what you got. And it's very hard to branch out like EJ Snyder. He did dual survival. But at the same time, him and Jeff, it was kind of like a one-season show. So what's the next step is the question for me. I mean, I'm a mom, I'm a laboratory scientist here in Libby at the hospital. Oh, wow. And it's like, I, yeah, I just like being outdoors. I have my regular job and then I travel around and do some appearances. I love raising money for charity. Breast cancer awareness is a big deal for me and I just stay busy, but I'll be in Portland. If you want to come hang out in Oregon, no pressure. I wish <laughs> I was. I'll be in, uh, I'll be in Fort Myers, Florida. So <laughs> Oh man, I'm telling yeah. you, it's going to be a blast. of other uh, naked and afraid survivalists that are going to meet up there. Uh, Melissa Miller, she's phenomenal, great partner. Uh, Till Bolthia, she's going to be there joining me. So we're going to have all the naked and afraid girls there, which is going to be fun. We will be clothed, warding. We will be yeah. clothed. Sorry, everybody, clothing, that all. clothing all. So, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's uh, going to be a blast. But who knows what's going to happen? You never know. So where do you live now? In Montana, Libby, okay. Montana. Great place. I'm a huge fan of Montana. I just rode from Spokane up through Glacier National Park, down the western side of Montana, back through southern Idaho, and then across and through Oregon and back up to Spokane uh, in June. <clears throat> so did, just you a shot. What's that? You probably drove through my hometown because I'm right in the middle of all those. <laughs> What's your hometown? Libby. It's like really small. It's like 20 wow. minutes from the Canada border and then 20 minutes from Idaho. Spokane's only three hours from me, but people drive through all the time to go to the National Glacier National Park. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I rode it. I did it on a Harley and rode the whole way. Um, I stayed you. in Lincoln, Montana at yep. the Lincoln Hotel. I stayed in Lewiston. I stayed in Eureka, which is beautiful. Yeah. Eureka is awesome with oh, all the yeah. communities up there and everything. It was amazing. It was, it was one of the most amazing things. Uh, look, besides children, we get all that. It was one of the most amazing things that I've ever experienced. I'm so glad you got to experience that. I mean, like where I live, I'm surrounded by seven lakes, you uh, know, the Kootenai river right here where yeah. they filmed the movie, the revenant. This is the yeah. town they filmed it in. So what it's kind of exciting to see all of that. <laughs> It's unbelievable. I mean, well, and, and I mean, a river runs through. It was through there as well. Yes, that's right. It was right here in Libby, too. Well, it was I went. That we named after Libby, so. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. On the, uh, I, cool. I think I went through 14 national forests through the whole That trip. is impressive. Yeah, through that whole trip, that is I did it 14. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was 1,463 miles, so it's it was I mean, it was a hell of a ride. Yeah. Oh and every gosh, day. Was that's a great. Did you take anybody with you? My, uh, my, one of my, my dear friend, my best friend, Jeff, he, uh, he went out. I do an appear. I do uh, the, the Spokane food and wine festival. 
and I partner up with Lone Wolf Harley Davidson out of Spokane. And uh, I ride a bike for six or seven days and um, I go back into Spokane. I ended up in Coeur d'Alene. I cooked at the, uh, the Coeur d'Alene Casino over there and cooked for like 40 VIPs and, uh, and, and I went to the festival and got to eat some awesome food. And actually after this afternoon, I'm interviewing a chef from out there as well named Chad White. Um, he's a, an amazing chef out in Spokane. So I don't know if you get over there much, but um, you're heading. I do. I go there all the time. I need to meet up with you and try some of your food. You like you make me jealous. I'm. I love eating good food, so I look forward to seeing what you got. <laughs> I'm like I'm like the I'm like the upscale bar food guy. So I do a lot of gastro. Are you like the gangster gangster the, of cooking right now? Is that what I'm hearing? The gangster of cooking. I am kind of. <laughs> I'm like, a, I don't even know what I do anymore. I just cook and have fun. You know, I mean, I've got a, I've got a fried food place down in, uh, in North Carolina because I've done so many high end places over the years and I've spent so much time on, uh, gastro pub food and comfort food. And I did, I, I was, uh, you know, I mean, I just, I've done so much of the formal stuff for so long that my partner and I decided to do this crazy little place called uncle Buzzy's down in North Carolina. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a fun little fried food place. Just to, and we do carnival fo- food. We do big, fat, huge, twenty-seven ounce turkey legs that are smoked and brined, and we do a lot of fun food. A lot of really fun food, and oh it's God. all scratch. That sounds amazing. Yeah, nothing out of a box. We cut all of our own fries, and the only stuff that comes out of our a box are our tater tots. We get them from Lamb Weston, which actually I was just in Washington three weeks ago uh, at the uh, in Washington State harvesting potatoes. So, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's cool. really cool. It's not bad. I mean, all this from a little reality TV show, you know, I mean, I've been on TV for 14, 15 years now with stuff that I do. So it's kind of fun. I mean, it, it creates an experience for all of us. I mean, you've had some unbelievable experiences, you know, with three different episodes or three different shows that you've done. I mean, a 40 day situation, which I couldn't even imagine. And not only that, 40 days, but 40 days and having to rely on other people as well and pull them together. Like, that's a massive thing. That's a big, big thing to do. That was definitely a tough thing, but it's weird. I crave it again. Like, my body is crazy to go out in the wild. It's weird. Sure. It's like an addiction. Like, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, my body's like, okay, we're ready to go now. Let's go, Amber. So So does does your brain just – does your brain just pop into that as soon as you – walk into it or is there, I mean, like, uh, okay, let me do this. What is your preparation? Like, what are you doing? You're going to Mexico and you're eating, you're putting 10 pounds on. What is your mental uh, preparation for that? For me, I wanted to know the environment so bad, like where my location was, because this is the first time they actually gave me more than a week notice of my actual location. Cause I need to learn about it. Cause obviously I've never been to Ecuador sure. and there's so many different things I need to know. Like for me, I'm a big fisher girl. So I had to look at all the different types of way I could fish out there. Am I get? and I don't even know what tool I'm going to get. So I'm thinking, uh, fish baskets, how can I set up fish pipes? If it's even possible, is there a bamboo out there? Is it possible to utilize that? Like in my head, I was trying to enjoy my vacation, but at the same time I'm thinking <laughs> you could tell I was distracted. My husband was like, stop. Uh-huh. I'm like, can't help it. I'm like trying to like cram all of this education and training into like this couple of days in Mexico to prepare myself to survive. And when you're out there, you don't get to get on your tablet or your phone or ask right. Siri a question. You just what is this bug biting so, on my thigh right now? Yeah, it doesn't happen. 
Oh my gosh. You have no idea when the ants of the army ants would come in the middle of the night when it was rain, they would just have thousands and swarm around us. And we were standing on logs and it was raining outside. They swarmed our shelters two nights in a row. What a nightmare. And if you tried to push them off of your hands or your feet, they'd bite you. And it hurt so bad. So you just had to let them crawl on you. Horrible. Oh gosh. That was a good night. I remember that. I remember laughing because I was so tired. Oh man. I had some horrible jokes. I'm not good at I'm not good at telling jokes. But I, I laugh at my own stuff, so I can admit that now. Well, I mean, look, you're naked and afraid, and, and in reality, if it comes down to it, it's you by yourself. So you got to make yourself laugh in some yep. way. Oh my gosh, I laugh at my own jokes. I'm horrible. I know. <laughs> so I mean, you're you know. I, I just can't, I don't know. I just can't wrap my head around the fact like what, I mean, are you researching deadly bugs? Are you researching the plants? Are you, I mean, how much information Definitely. can you realistically pull in, in a one week period? Uh, the biggest thing for me was the plant life out there. Like, cause most of the time, even if we were out there only eating protein the whole entire time, which we did, is there any fruit available in the season right now? And do we have to fight with the monkeys? Like I was more concerned about the, the greens out there. What type could I actually eat? I mean, there's so many poisonous things out there that I read about that it was all I could focus on was the poisonous things. Everything else, you'll just figure it out. <laughs> it just happens. But I mean, I wanted to make sure that I was fully prepared because you only get a week and a half to know your location and you're just like boots on ground running. You don't yep. get to stop and ask questions to anybody. So it's, it's definitely tough. But the biggest thing for me was the snakes as well. I would, they had 235 different types of uh, snake species, different <laughs> types of snakes, poisonous snakes. I'm like, I'm sorry, how many? Over yeah. 200 poisonous out there i'm like that was a bit much i mean right. and then you got obviously the anaconda's and then you've got uh there's a snake i forgot the name of it it's where it will bite you in the face when you walk by it i'm like lovely oh, good. lovely yeah that's stuff. awesome so, Fuck you, snake. Yeah, i know that <laughs> I know. so i'm just glad i was able to bring a hawaiian sling with me a three-pronged metal spear it was right. amazing it helped out so much but it, it took a lot of time for me to prep everything but I'm on vacation. So my husband was not happy. He was oh, not sure. happy. Oh, the worst. Where'd you I get? Suck it up, butter. <laughs> Where was vacation? Where in Mexico? Um, actually, we went to Cancun for okay. six days. It was phenomenal. Nice. Stayed at the resort there, had a good time. I mean, it was just some, just a random thing we were going to do to spend time together. Sure. And I was more concerned starting fires outside on the beach, practicing oh, my fires. My God. <laughs> the <laughs> residents did is. not like that. They were like, you can't start fires here. And I'm thinking, you know, this is called prepping. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, we had to talk about that, by the way. I want, you just said prepping. You just reminded me. So, the, I, and I asked you, I, I asked you about kind of, before we got on the phone, just so everybody knows, Amber and I had a quick conversation and I, I was talking about this place that I was talking about in the opening of the show called Vivos, which is preservation, preparations, prophecies, time remaining, network, shelters. I mean, they literally have uh, – it, 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 I mean, it's wild. Like they have this space for – hold on. Let me see what it is. Uh, where did it go? Do, do, do. So if you go to the website – oh, it's gone now. Damn it called Terra Vivos, TerraVivos.com. This is what I was saying. You can, aftermath, apocalypse, asteroid, like these are the hashtags for the things that they have down here, which is crazy. 
What is oh my that? gosh. That sounds yeah. exciting. No, it's super wild. I mean, it's just like the world is an increasingly dangerous place with these threats all around us. The central theme to all catastrophic and epic life threatening events has typically always been to find shelter underground. So they have these areas where you can go and live. And one of them has you can fit 25,000 people. 575 private military built bunkers affordably priced for you and your entire family. It says, wow. How much does a bunker cost? Well, I don't know. I just got a membership, Amber. I'll let you know. Uh, 575 hardened concrete military bunkers are being transformed into the largest survival shelter community on earth. With accommodations for more than 5,000 like-minded survivalists, the Black Hills Army Base, originally built by the Army Corps of Engineers, a fortress to store bombs and munitions from 42 to 67. The Army then sold the property to the city of Edgemont, which is in North Dakota. And there's 575 off-grid bunkers. It's five by six miles by four miles. That's the whole space. That's pretty phenomenal and smart. It really is because anything can happen anytime. And if you're not prepping or ready, I mean, if you really think about it, if shit was at the fan right now, how much food do you have in your fridge to last you without having oh, to go to the no, store? I, I'm and a single dad. What, three to five days, you know? Yeah. No, seriously. I mean, I, I, look, I'm, now granted, I might have, you know, 15 slabs of ribs in my freezer in the basement because I'm going to smoke them this week. But, <laughs> but I mean, like, you're absolutely right. I mean, how much do you have? Now, let me ask you that question. Let me ask a question right back to you. I mean, if something were to happen, are you prepared for that? I am actually personally, I am a stalker. I literally, anytime I see like a sale or a deal going on, I'm like, you know what? I should get that. I should get that. Like some oh, basic God. items I sealed up. I have a bunch of rice that I saved. I have sugars. I have basic items. Um, most of them I have meal pack kits that you can actually buy the five gallons. And my grandma talked me into that. Oh. My grandma's a prepper. So we have a game plan. If something does happen, <laughs> where we go, how we meet, like my grandma's really into this. So she's the one that got me hooked on it. And so I've been slowly having my stockpile grow. Thank God. But it's like, it is scary to think about it. You're not going to be able to go to the store and get what you want. I mean, is right. the water system going to shut down? Because that could be the first way to take a population out is poison their water. Their have you water seen resources. the, have you seen the straws that they have that you can just suck the water through? And yes, I've it? seen those. It looks pretty amazing. Now what, I mean, what is your, cause that's, that's, uh, I, and look, I was, I was hiking. I was up in uh, Lake George a couple of weeks ago. What, what water can you drink and what water can't you drink? And I, we don't have much time left, but, but, but what water can you drink and what water can you not drink? Can you drink water coming off of a waterfall and just stick your face in it? Oh, that's a risk. I'm a, I'm a weirdo. I will always boil my water no matter what. In any no matter situation. what. If you're kind of, no matter what, because I've got so sick, I've gotten parasites that I almost ate through my intestines, like that gave me ulcers, like it was bad. So whenever I think of water, I, I have the 10 minute boil rule for me, no matter what, I'm always prepared for that. But yeah. I do have iodine tablets. I have all this stuff that you could think of to purify your water. Be very careful because it may look fresh and then you drink it and you're just shitting yourself the rest of the day. Yeah. And then you're going to weigh down the, t so you just, you can, it's a risk. Everything's a risk that you do. That's when you always see, when all you always see on the show, there's always that asshole who's like, always. I'm fucking up and thirsty. And uh, and they just get sick and then that's it. Boom. They're tapping out. I mean, and not only that, I mean, you're literally, you're shitting yourself. 
and you're and you're putting totally. everybody else at risk because that's an odor that draws in predators. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a shitload that can go wrong with that. I'm scared shitless. To, I mean, I, like I said, I was up in Lake George. I didn't know what water to drink. And this is a, a completely pristine freshwater lake with stuff coming off of the waterfalls and the whole nine yards. And I was with a friend of mine and she was like, I don't know if you want to do that, Bri. And I was like, oh, it's being filtered. <laughs> I've watched Naked and Afraid. It's coming through an aquifer. Like, you know, but because <laughs> I was all of a sudden an expert. Oh. Just but. I mean, oh, so yeah, you, you gotta oil everything. Got to do it. <clears throat> okay. So what I, I are oil you? Oil everything. So what are your top? What are your top three things that you would say to somebody who finds himself in this situation? You know, who finds himself in a survivalist situation? Whether I, I don't know. I mean, how, how, how do people find themselves in that situation in the first place? But what are your th- your top three things that yeah. you would say? Uh, The top three things for me, if you were to get lost in the wild, wherever the case may be, you need to find yourself a water resource because that's the first thing that's going to take you down as a survivalist. You have 72 hours to get hydrated. If you lose that, you will die. And most of the time, people do have actual water on them in deserts when they die, and they actually have water left over in their pouches because they're trying to save it, but then become so dehydrated, it actually kills them. And then also, always look where you're walking, not where you're going snakes there's creatures around you if you get bit by a snake you're totally screwed there's no way you're going to make out of it situation and another thing is look at your terrain environment i mean for me i have the military training of trying to figure out where i could actually should i have smoke signals should i do that anything you could think of try it and if you don't know how to do it it's okay because most people don't do things on the show on naked and afraid because they're scared they're going to fail which is the wrong answer no matter what even if you could think you're going to fail at it do it anyways sure you'd be surprised on how people start because of it but yeah those are my top three things and what's your expertise so if if you were i mean you know we've seen the show and we've seen the others what is the expertise that you're like i got this no worries i'm good i think that like in any situation outdoors i kind of feel that way i have that confidence instilled in me now where i can go out there and be like if we get stuck on a mountain i don't go into panic mode like i'm thinking of ways like is this an adventure do we have a challenge going on right now like is it weird that i think that i'm like i automatically go in survival mode and i think of okay food water fire shelter first thing that comes to my mind my confidence is there and i just figure out the situation which i have been lost in the woods up here and I've got myself out of it. Thank God I have my kid with me and it worked out, but wow. I'm very confident when it comes to that. I would rather say I tried and try to like succeed, even if I fell, no matter right. what, because if you don't, you're going to die. So there's a lot of crazy stuff out there, but be careful. If you're, if you're not a survivalist, I definitely just say, go out there prepared, bring a backpack, bring food, lots right. of food for you. Cause people say they starve in like five hours, you know? <laughs> yeah. Come on. I don't know about that. They one. say five hours. Like I'm so hungry. I'm like, uh, oh, you know, you don't know. Like eight ago. Yeah, you don't know that. Nobody really. I don't think anybody really truly knows hunger. No, I, mean, the average, I don't think they do. I mean, and that's a big thing. I mean, you know, you're five hours. Oh my god, I'm so hungry. I need to eat something. I feel like I'm gonna die. Really, I haven't had food in five yep. days. Hmm. Our uh, generation is so spoiled. Oh, the amount of waste that we have is complete. I mean, I'm literally looking around my office at this moment at the amount of shit that I have that I don't there's I don't need 90 percent of this. I know it's crazy. If you want food, you can go to a fast food. You can drive up there and get food. You want a bottle of water? You can go to the store and get it filtered. It's like everything's there for us, given to us, let alone take that away 
and then you go in survival mode. It's delivered. You don't even have to leave. Exactly. There's so many apps now. You're like, you just order what you want fast food, and they deliver it to yeah. your house, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you can do Uber Eats right now, and I can have I can have them stop at McDonald's and pick up McDonald's French fries, go to Wendy's for a burger, and then literally go to Salad Alley so I can have an appetizer. I mean, it's like you can order all three just right on the phone. It's disgusting. That is crazy. That is so insane. bad. And then we wonder why. I mean, look, I'm not I'm not going to get into the whole world of it, but we wonder why we have as much as much disease, as much learning disability, as much of the other shit because of the fact that, look, why are chicken nuggets ninety nine cents for ten? There's a problem. I don't know. That's a whole nother show. <clears throat> That's a whole nother show. What is your what is your meal that you want when you get home from doing all of this? Is there one thing that you're like, I can't wait to have a burger? Oh my gosh, I crave the weirdest thing. I crave, oh boy, Oberto jerky, the white bag. I it's fucking love jerky. Salty. Are you kidding me? I love it. Like, I actually traveled to Ecuador with three bags of it so that when I got out, I could actually have it. Oh my gosh, and peanut butter. I would dream about eating peanut butter out of a jar there. I would dream about it. Just the <laughs> fat and the peanut butter. Oh I my do. God, it was so good. Uh, I love a, I love a truck stop. And one of the reasons Ooh. why I love a truck stop is because you can get some of the coolest shit in a truck stop. Like I just did a trip uh, out to West Virginia and then out into Ohio, back up and through the northern part of Pennsylvania and across and then back down to Philadelphia. And I got the best car charger that I've ever purchased in a truck stop for that 99 and I and then the the cool part is if you go into some of these other little like these big trucks, they have twenty different jerkies, which are yeah. awesome. And then I had the best fried catfish ever in my life. Wow! Gas station in wow. Arkansas and Mountain View, Arkansas. I was like, <laughs> I'm not eating this, Grandma. She goes, It's the best. And I ate it. And I'm like, whoa, There's love, man. Wow. There's love that went into that, and there was pride that went in that. Wasn't pulled out of a box and just dropped in somewhere. Like that's good shit. Exactly. Oh my it's god, the little people stuff. gotta try things. Yeah, I agree. I'm a little weary on sushi though in a gas station. I gotta throw that out there. I'm not gonna, gonna do sushi, sushi in a gas station. Gas station. But I think yeah, there's I other stay- stuff I'm willing to try. <laughs> yeah, there's good stuff out there. I'm a big pho guy right now. Have you ever had pho? Yes, I have actually in Colorado Springs all the time when I'm there. Oh my God. I do it all over the country. No matter where I go, I, I try to get a bowl no matter where I go. And I'm actually, we're two in this week and it's Monday. So, cause my oh, girls, nice. as well. so yeah, we do, we do a lot of it because it's a great comfort food. It's a great feel good food. And in reality, it's got some mm-hmm. carbs in it, but it's got a lot of really good stuff in it. There's not a lot of fat. Um, it's good for you. I'm a big fan of it. Despite my girlish figure, I actually I like eat pretty it. healthy. Yeah. So, all right, Amber, do me a favor and tell us how we can get in contact with you again. Okay, wonderful. If you guys want to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram at Amber underscore combat underscore survivalist. Check me out. I have some really good videos out there. I'm also country girl survivalist on Twitter as well as Facebook. Come say hi. I'm very easy to talk to you. If you ever have any questions, I'd love to answer them. I love talking about naked afraid. No question is too impersonal. So I guess apparently 
I'm naked on TV. I got no shame. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Amber, thank you so much for hanging out with us for the last hour. I really appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again. And if you ever make it East Coast, let me know. And, uh, you know, if I'm ever back out in Montana, which I will be next year, I'll let you know. We'll stop by and get some fried catfish somewhere. Like a plan. Thank you for everything, hon. I will meet you soon then. Come on now, people. That's the way it should go. That's the way it should go. We've never met before. We just had a great conversation about everything under the sun from married to 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 military, to family, to raising, to eating, to traveling, to all the shit. I mean, think about it. This woman went through three naked and afraids, a 40 day challenge. Uh, That's pretty awesome, man. So, you know, we think about that stuff on a daily basis. And a lot of times we say, you know, why would anybody do that? But to me, it kind of changes the brain. It changes the mind, you know, whatever. I know this is kind of cliche and, and, and it sounds weird, but it is the truth. Whatever you put your mind to, you can do it. So, you know, I mean, it, it comes with everything. It's mind over matter, no matter what you do, you know, do I want to eat that cheeseburger or should I have the salad today? Well, you know what? I mean, you're going to make that decision at that moment. You know what it's going to do to you. It happens to me all the time. I'm a huge chocolate fanatic. I've got to make a decision where I'm going to feel like shit because I'm going to eat this chocolate or, you know, do I want to do this instead? Because I know the outcome of it. Um, I love the whole way that it works with uh, with these guys and these and these ladies that are on these shows because they're literally pushing their body to different limits. You know, I, one of the questions that I do want to ask, it's not the last time that I'm going to have uh, somebody from one of these shows or survivalist on. But the, what it's like when you come home. That's a question that I should have asked Amber, and I kind of forget that I I didn't do that. So uh, I'm going to make sure the next time I have a conversation with somebody that I do that. So, all right, everybody, we've been doing this for about an hour and a half right now. I want to thank you all for hanging out with us. You guys know the deal. Tell your friends about the show. Get over to iTunes and check it out. Go over there to RadioInfluence.com and listen to some of the other podcasts that Jerry and Jason put together. Thank you, Maggie Gagliardi, for your amazing, amazing, amazing talent of of being able to draw and get all that good stuff together. We also want to thank Michelle. Michelle Stockman out there at uh, Techno Solutions. She takes care of all my websites. Boys and girls, thank you so much for hanging out with us on Duffified Live this week. I appreciate it, and we will see you next Friday. Bye-bye. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef, B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out radioinfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>